Tri-City, it is good to be with you this morning. Uh, if you have a Bible, uh, I'd love for you to turn to Luke 2, uh, 41 to 52, and that is the text we'll be diving into today. Uh, so first, I just want to introduce myself. As David said, my name is Luke. Uh, I've been a high school pastor for the past uh, roughly six-ish years uh, at Northview Community Church, the Downs Road campus. Uh, to give a little bit more backstory about who I am, where I come from, uh, I come from a family of six. I have three siblings. I have uh, an older brother and then two younger sisters who are twins and then a loving mom and dad. Uh, we're all married. And if you look at the, the, this, the eight children of us, uh, there's three of us who work at the Downs Road campus uh, for Northview. One of us is, uh, works in another church as a director of youth ministries. Uh, the other, two other ones, they, they faithfully serve in, bo- in, in many ministries. Uh, my, one of my sisters is actually one of my high school leaders. And then the last one, uh, he is actually the most Christ-like of us all. He actually became a carpenter. So that's more of a joke. But anyways, he, he is a great guy who faithfully serves as well. All that being said is you look at this family. Oh, and by the way, my dad has been a pastor most of his adult life. If you look, if you look at this family, you might be like, like, wow, like Father Ron, that's my dad's name. How, how did this happen? Like you got, you got these eight kids who, who love the Lord passionately. Like what, what was it like, like seeing them grow from like a tiny little baby to adults? And I think... I don't know exactly what my parents would say, but I know what I would say, that as a high schooler, as a middle schooler, as a young adult growing up, I had a lot of identity issues. That I didn't know who I was. That my identity was, was always formed by the, the whoever, whoever people I was around, by what hobbies I was interested in, by what the music I was listening to. My identity was an ebb and flow most of my high school days. I always felt burdened by like, how do I impress people today? It wasn't until after high school that God opened the eyes of my heart and showed me who Jesus was, that now seeing who Jesus was, that Jesus was God, that my identity was firmly set in him. And that brought about a huge change in my life. Like before I was pursuing worldly things, after Jesus opened my heart to see who he is, I, I, I went to Bible school, I got my degree, and I, I, I started working at church. I wanted to become a pastor. I, I thought that there's nothing more important for me than to do this. And see, I think we can relate with this, with the identity issues. And that's what we're going to look at today, is we're actually going to look at 12-year-old Jesus. And the main point of what I want to say is that 12 years old, Jesus was about his father's business. Jesus knew who he was. He knew his identity. And he knew what he was about. Jesus knew who he was. And he knew what he was about. So we're going to get into um, our first point. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to read a verse or two. And then we're going to talk about it, read a verse, talk about it. Okay? So here we go. Point one, who he was. Jesus knew who he was. So verse 41, 
Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of Passover. Okay, I'm stopping early just at at one verse because we need to know what Passover is. Passover was a feast that all Jews were supposed to celebrate every single year to represent what God has done for them in the past. They are to look back and see how God has been so faithful to them. Specifically, they're to look back in, in what we call the book of Exodus and see how God freed them from being slaves in Egypt. So every year, wherever they are in all of Israel, they are to go up to Jerusalem. And, I, and it says up because Jerusalem is on a hill. And so no matter where you are, you're always going up to Jerusalem. And so every year you had to come to Jerusalem to celebrate this festival. And only the really devout Jews actually listened to this. And we see that Mary and Joseph's family did this. And I, I just wanna put a side note out there. Um, this, this doesn't really have a, a lot of time to the main point, but I think this is very applicable for us today in that they took time out of every year. So it would have been roughly three days to travel there from where they were in Nazareth to Jerusalem, three days back. So roughly two weeks, 200 kilometers one way, 200 back to get here. There's no uh, vacation time for Joseph. They had to, he had to set aside time himself save for this trip to celebrate what God has done. And so if you're a Christian here today, how how do you celebrate? How do I celebrate? Like we just had a huge holiday Christmas, right? What does it look like for us to celebrate the birth of a king? If someone was to look into your Christmas holiday experience, would they see people who are passionately partying for their savior, who are celebrating the fact that Jesus has come and Jesus has won? Or they look and say, wow, they they just care about gifts and family, which is good. They're good things. But is that the point of a party? Is that the point of a celebration? See, the Jews were meant to go to Jerusalem to remember to remember what Christ has done. And so in our lives as Christians, are we marked by that? Are we marked by the celebrating? Okay, side note over, we're going back to the text. Verse 42. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. Okay, this is important of why uh, it says that Jesus is 12. Jesus is at the cusp of becoming a man. And so 13 is when he would be a man and be with his father. So the mom and all the younger of Jesus' siblings would be at the front. And then the men and all the the male relatives would be at the back. And so Mary is walking along and would not see Jesus up there. And she's like, ah, Jesus, Jesus is 12. And so he's wanting to be a man with his dad. But it's acceptable because he's right on that cusp He's running that cusp of actually becoming a man. And so Mary would think nothing of Jesus not being with her. So hold on to the Jesus being 12. So verse 43. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey 
but then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. So they would have been walking in this huge caravan and Mary is up front with the rest of the kids who are all younger than Jesus because Jesus is the eldest. And then Mary at one point would have looked around and been like, I don't see Jesus. You know what? I feel like I'm forgetting something. So I'm just, I'm just gonna go back to see where Joseph and the other relatives, maybe, maybe to see where Jesus is at. You could uh, imagine Mary when she gets back and she looks at Joseph right in the eyes. You lost Jesus. You lost God. I mean, he, she might've not said that, but I mean, miscommunication happens all the time, does it not? Just the other day, me and my wife went snowshoeing and we packed up all our bags and we went uh, to this uh, wonderful place that there's snow everywhere and I love playing in the snow. So I bring my snow pants and my snow jacket. So I roll around the snow all day. But my, we open the trunk door. I get my snow pants on because I'm not forgetting my snow pants. And Danae's looking for her stuff. She looks at me dead in the eyes and says, you forgot my stuff. I didn't know that was my responsibility. Nobody told me. Miscommunication, it happens all the time. And so you can imagine Mary going to Joseph being like, you lost Jesus. And Joseph being like, whoa, 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 he's 12. That is your responsibility. I, I also, uh, the image in my mind that comes, maybe it's because of the holiday season, but the movie Home Alone, uh, where Kevin is an eight-year-old boy and uh, his parents forget him at home. And there's a whole movie of him just uh, beating up these two adult males uh, with paint cans and spiders and all sorts of traps. Uh, it's a hilarious movie. Uh, I highly enjoy it. But uh, there, there's the point in the movie where Kevin's mom is on the airplane sitting beside her husband and she's like, I I'm forgetting something. Much like Mary probably would have been doing. It's like, I forgot something. I forgot something. I forgot something. And then her husband is like, it's the garage door. You know what? I forgot to close the garage door. And she's like, that's not it. That's... And then her eyes just widen and she just yells, Kevin! She forgot her son. And then for her side of the story, it takes a frantic, frantic pace of her trying to get back to her son. It involves whatever means necessary to get back home so she can see her son. And I imagine that's what Mary did. All right, guys, we're turning this thing around. We're going back to Jerusalem. Everybody, relatives and all. We're gonna get Jesus. That's kind of what I imagine would have happened. Like you can understand why Mary and Joseph would have forgot Jesus, right? Jesus is the perfect kid. Jesus is God, right? They would have forgot the quiet one. You always forget the quiet one. You can imagine you have one perfect kid and then the rest of them are like Glazos boys, right? Out of control and wild. So you can imagine them actually forgetting Jesus and that being like, you understand that. Yeah, yeah, you always forget the good one. And so uh, they come back to Jerusalem. So we're in verse 46. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. So that means they traveled the day they traveled back, and then on the third day, they found him. So after three days, they found Jesus. And what is he doing? 
He's at the temple giving answers to the Jewish leaders. So I wanna kind of paint you a picture of what it might look like if this were to happen to us. Imagine you are, if you're not a parent, imagine that you're a parent, you have like five kids and you go to your grandparents' house for Christmas week. You go there, you have a lovely time. At one point you go to the church uh, for the Christmas Eve service and uh, you, just, you just had a fantastic time with the grandparents and you, the next day you pile, or the week after you pile the kids all up into su- your suburban and you drive back home and you're driving all day and then you remember you forgot your kid. Oh no, we forgot the quiet, perfect kid. And so the first thing you go is you would go back to the grandparents' house, right? you would go back to where the relatives are. You'd go back to family because you think who you forgot would stay with family. So Mary and Joseph would go back to where they were staying previously and they'd look and he's not there. So I don't know if anybody has a 12 year old. I am a youth pastor. Uh, I have pastored many 12 year old kids I would not think of one of them, if I forgot them somewhere, would be at the church. I don't know if you're a parent, would you ever think that your kid would be like, oh, my parents forgot me. I'm gonna go hang out at the church, go to a Bible study. This is what Jesus did. He went to the temple and was at a Bible study answering the questions. Jesus was answering the questions from fully grown men who have spent years, devoted themselves to the teachings of the law. At 12 years old, you can see that he is different, that he is no ordinary 12-year-old boy. The author, Luke, who is writing this, is making you see that this isn't a 12-year-old boy. This is God. So picture, so I don't watch a lot of golf uh, or any, but I know who Tiger Woods is. And recently, there was a tournament, uh, a father-son tournament, where his son, Charlie, got to participate in him with. And so all eyes, this tournament, were on Charlie. Tiger actually said, he's like, this is the first time I'm not in the spotlight. My, my kid is. Everyone is watching Charlie Woods. Does he swing like his dad? Does he chip like his dad? Does he putt like his dad? He even actually nailed this sweet putt, and he actually gave like the Tiger fist pump. So the people saw him, And there was no mistake, that kid's Tiger's son. Nobody could tell me different. Jesus is leaving no room for people to think he's not God's son. He is showing, Luke Luke wants the reader to know this. Luke shows that Jesus knows who his identity is by staying with his father in his house, in the temple, Luke is showing that Jesus at 12 years old knows who he is. That he knows who he is. Jesus knows his identity. Now it begs, there's two follow-up questions I want to ask you. So that's great. Jesus knew who he was. Now, do you know who Jesus is? Do you read this story and you're like, that's Jesus is God. That Jesus is God's son. Jesus is saying he, he is God in this at 12 years old. 
What, what do you say to this? Because you have to have an answer. Luke is wanting you to answer or ask yourselves, what do you think? Do you think this 12-year-old could be God? And the rest of the, the, the story that Luke writes is showing you how this is the son of God. The second question that comes from that is Jesus knowing who is, he is, Jesus' identity, then us knowing who is he, who do we think he is, who are we? Doesn't that change? If we believe Jesus is the son of God, if we confess with our tongues that Jesus is Lord, we, we will be saved. See, we actually become into his identity. We become co-heirs. First John 3 says, uh, see what great love the father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. If we believe that Jesus is Lord, we become children of God. We get Christ's identity. And that is so important for us. Because if we have Christ's identity, we have an identity that doesn't change. It's not like high school Luke, where it's changing all the time. No, it is steadfast and it is unchangeable. Our identity does not change. It stays firmly in the act of who Jesus is, the person of who Jesus is. And if we know who we are, if we know who Jesus is, it's gonna change what we are about. It's gonna change everything that we do. And we can see this here in this text of Jesus knowing his identity and it goes to what he is about. What Jesus is actually about. So point number two is what he was about. We're gonna find out what Jesus was about. So verse 48, and when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. Okay, honestly, what do you say to this, right? You, you are a grown ad adult. You forgot your kid. I, I believe that it's the parents' responsibilities to remember kids. Just like how it's my responsibility to remember all the youth kids I take places. But he's at the church in a Bible study. What do, you, what do you say to a kid? Oh, don't, don't do that. So what, what, what choice does Mary have but saying, why have you treated us so? Like we were, why have you made us so worried? Why, why did you do this, Jesus? Because like, what else is she going to say? Because Jesus is doing a great thing. Uh, verse 49, and he said to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house. What a line. Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? The, there, there's like a little uh, a side note in this that it says, or about my father's business. Uh, because in the actual language, it, it doesn't really say house or business business, they have to put that in there because it's something like, uh, I am about my father. I'm about my father's business. I'm in my father's house because he's in the temple. This is one of those moments that Jesus just rips open the curtain and is like, this is who I am. 
And who I am is about my father's business. I'm about what my father is about. That's what I'm about, my father. He reveals the curtain. Jesus shows us who he is at the age of 12. Luke wants his readers to see who Jesus is and what he's about. That Jesus is about his father's business. At this young age, Jesus knew exactly who he was. Verse 50. And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to him. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Jesus knew who he was and he showed it. Jesus knew who his identity was, what his identity was rooted in. And he showed, he showed that. Jesus grew in wisdom, in stature, in favor. favor. His life showed what he was about because he grew in those things. Not, not only with man, but with God. Jesus, Jesus actually knew his identity so well that he knew what he was about. Ultimately, do we know God well enough to know what we are about? Because like I said in the, in the previous part, if we are children of God, if we believe Jesus is Lord and in doing so we become children of God, do we know the will of the Father that we can actually know what he's about so we can know what we are about? Do we? I think a very helpful illustration is from uh, this book called Deep Discipleship uh, by J.T. English. He gives discipleship or uh, a knowing God in, in the sense of flying a plane. And he says that when pilots are learning to fly a plane, uh, they're told to look at the horizon because the horizon doesn't change. Clouds move in and things change, but the horizon, it stays the same. You look at the thing that stabilizes. And then when you can't see the horizon, when, when clouds roll in and you're trying to look and the fog is too thick and you can't see the horizon, it's trust the gauges. Because what can happen is something called spatial disorientation. That means you don't actually know which way's up, which way's down. You get very confused if you rely on your own feelings. If you rely on your own feelings as a pilot, you'll be upside down before you know it. As Christians, we will be upside down if we rely on our own feelings and how we think. I, I think it is just such a helpful illustration. Do we know God enough? Do we know the horizon? Do we know the truths of who he is? And do we trust the gauges? Do we trust the word of God? Do we trust it so much that when our feelings creep in and we feel like God isn't sovereign, we can actually look at the text and see God is sovereign. 
when in our heads it says, it doesn't make sense that Jesus knew he was God at 12. We can look and trust the word and say, I don't care what I'm feeling, the word of God is true. That when you see a loved one get sick or someone dies or you lose a job and you're like, there's no way God actually cares for me. That we can look at the word of God, to look to the horizon, look to the gauges and see that God is good. Even when we don't see it, he's moving. He is good. We can look at the word of God and that holds us to who he is. Do we know him? Do we spend time to know him? Does that show? I think we sometimes fool ourselves, um, or I've been hearing a lot of how people are so excited that 2020 is over. Thank goodness 2020 is gone because 2021, that's my year. COVID's gonna be eradicated. My life's gonna go back to normal. Was your life before COVID that great? Was it not hard as well? Like we're constantly gonna have clouds roll in on our lives. Where are we looking? Are we looking at the horizon? Are we trusting the word of God? Because this year will probably be just as hard as any other year full of challenges and things that don't go the way that we think they're gonna go? Where's our trust gonna be? Where's our identity gonna be? As Ben was saying during worship, isn't our hope in Jesus? Do we spend time each day in God's word. Because just like the first point, Jesus knew what he was about because he knew what the father was about. Do we know what the father is about? So we can know what we are about, how to actually live our lives. Um, One of the most impactful books that I read in 2020 was a book called Knowing God. Um, Right now I'm reading it with my youth leaders. And J.I. Packer, um, he, he starts the book, not with his own words, uh, but with a preacher from the 1850s named Charles Spurgeon. Uh, he was a pastor out in England, and at 20 years old, this is, this is what Charles Spurgeon said and how Piper starts off his book. It has been said by someone that the proper study of mankind is man. I'll not oppose the idea, but I believe it is equally true that the proper study of God's elect is God. The proper study of a Christian is the Godhead, the highest science, the loftiest speculation, the mightiest philosophy, which can ever engage the attention of a child of God is the name, the nature, the person, the work, the doings and the existence of the great God whom he calls father. Spurgeon is saying that the thing that you can do most, the loftiest, the highest, the best is knowing him, is knowing the person, the work, the doings, the nature, the name of God. Do our lives show that? 
Dorsh lives show us that we know who, what God is about so that we are also about those things. Do we? Like, does, does that show in our lives? To show that we know what we are about because we know what the Father is about. Through the knowledge of God, knowing him, we can actually live more as humans, like how we're actually supposed to live. We can actually live that way when we know who he is and what he is about. So it's 2021, whatever you do resolutions or new rhythms or whatever it is, one of the rhythms that should show in our lives is that we want to know God more because he doesn't change. As much as the world changes and things change in our life, he stays the same. Let us hold fast to the rock that never changes, the rock of ages. Don't we wanna hold fast to him? The one who's above all, before all things? I think in some ways we are all like high school Luke. We have identity issues. We keep chasing what the world wants instead of what God wants. And then God will slap us on the hand and be like, no, this is, this is what is good. This is what is right. It's tiring living in the identity of what the world wants. There is, there, there is this sweet Rest that comes in knowing God and who he is and resting in the yoke of Jesus. Because walking with Jesus is so much lighter than walking by myself. Our identities shape what we are about. Jesus, he knew who he was and what he was about. So closing, do we know who Jesus is and what he is about? Because if we do, that changes who we are and what we are about. Let me pray. Father, we're grateful for uh, the word of God. We are grateful that for Jesus, we're just so, so grateful that you have made a way for us to know you through your son. And God, I pray that we would be people, that Tri-City would be a church that would be known for knowing God and being about the Father's business just as Jesus was. God, let your Holy Spirit reign in their lives and let him push and prod them to look more like Jesus so they'd be more about the Father's business. I pray this all through your son's name by the power of your spirit. Amen.